Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 193. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Colby alumni Aaron and Michael O'Donnell. These two standout alumni share some of their favorite Colby moments and talk about how they have made the switch from homeschooling to pursuing STEM courses at a large secular college. Every time I run across Colby alumni, they seem to be wise beyond their years. Aaron and Michael did not disappoint. We're glad that you can join us for this conversation. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom of four lads and lasses, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic. And this is Steven, homeschooling father of five and chief homeschooling officer for Colby Academy. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? Doing very well with blocked time out for projects, which I don't always do. But so I escaped from some meetings and actually got a lot of work done. So very, very happy. Oh, good. Good. That's a good idea. Just pencil it in like that's what I'm doing now. And yeah, good deal. I take it. I'll take some notes from from you there and and uh, <laughs> implement that myself. That would be helpful. <laughs> Um, one of the things we enjoy doing here on the Colby cast is catching up with some Colby alumni. We have two joining us today, Aaron and Michael O'Donnell. Welcome, guys. Good to meet you. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> of course. I'm really glad that you said yes to our invitation. We appreciate the opportunity to get to visit with you guys. Would you tell us about yourselves and your Colby connection and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so I actually, I started Colby when I was in sixth grade, and I think I was the second year of online classes. Okay. I was in Colby, and so I did online classes on and off, but I did the homeschool and the self-paced courses, and then I graduated from Colby in 2021, and now I'm currently a junior at Texas Tech studying cell and molecular biology on the pre-med path. I was actually I was actually studying the MCAT before we came down and did this. Mm. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> wow. What about you, Michael? I'm Michael O'Donnell. I have been with Colby for as long as I can remember as education is concerned. Um, then I only finished last year. I now a freshman at Texas Tech University studying physics and mathematics. Okay, cool. Thinking back on your Colby years, was there a typical school day that, what did that look like or were they all pretty different? What do you, what do you remember about your school days, your Colby days? I'd say they were all pretty the same, like, you know, wake up, do our chores, eat breakfast, and then just head out to our schoolroom and do work uh, all day, pretty much. But I think structure increased when, as we took more online classes. Yeah. When you're taking more self-paced classes, that's, I mean, they're self-paced. So you have flexibility in how you want to learn it and how quickly. The online classes introduced more structure. I think the later I got into high school, the more structured my days became. In middle school, it was kind of just get everything done that you needed to get done that day. And then, you know, you're done with school. In high school, you can kind of feel the pressure more, right? I'd say something like that. Okay. What what were some of your favorite Colby classes? Mm, I took um, AP Lit and Language with Mrs. Crawford. And that was like mm. one of my favorite classes, I think. Um, or all my years of Latin with Dr. Almanzar. Okay. How are those helping you now? Yeah, Latin, I don't know how much it applies to anything, but it's kind of nice just to know, especially being Catholic. Um, but I am taking Spanish now, so I can see some of it kind of, it's helping me understand more of the grammar. Um, and for AP Lit and Lang, it doesn't help too much for cell and molecular biology, but I feel like it helped open up more just like my worldwide view. And it, like, and I can appreciate good books, even with being a STEM major. Nice. Mm. Okay. Latin is great. <laughs> <laughs> I Math, but always use Latin and math. So I actually know what they're saying. All the other students don't know. I know. Okay. <laughs> And you liked pre-calc when you were a Colby student? That's your favorite? Oh, I love pre-calculus. That's the class that got me into math, really. I took yeah. it and I just the connections and I just, then the next year I took calculus one and now I'm taking calculus three. So it just, that was a really good class and had a really good instructor for that class as well. Well, hmm. in typical fashion, I'm kind of uh, jumping ahead a bit because I want to hear more about your your days now in college, but I want to hear also more about your your memories of your homeschool time 
what did you like to do when you weren't doing schoolwork? That probably wasn't all that often, but but when when you were not doing school, what sorts of things did y'all like to do? Hmm. Everything. I mean, yeah, I was really into art for like for my Colby art. Um, I would paint like religious icons, so I got really into painting, and so that was fun. Um, was big on working out, you know, for that homeschool PE credit. Mm. Um, You're right. So how'd you make that happen? Did you go to a gym or did you do it at home or both or something um, else? So I used to go to like a boxing gym um, and do like just boxing as a workout. But then, you know, COVID happened. So I would just go to the park down the street and like go for a run or walk or whatever. Okay. Okay. Day to day, I, I got into soccer a lot. That was a big part of it. But I also got really into coding and I spent just so much time in the evenings working on coding projects just for fun. That's really what took up a lot of my high school time when I wasn't doing schoolwork. Was there a particular project or something fun that kind of got you moving or objective with coding? I don't, you know, I was really into game development for a long time. The idea of creating worlds was really fascinating. So I, I coded and I spent a lot of time doing 3D modeling and creating worlds. You know, as things go, as a high schooler coding, I never really finished any of the projects, but I got very far on a lot of them. So I can look back at those now. They'll be fun. Do you find yourself now that you are on a break from school for the time being, are you going back to those? Or are you kind of drawing from oh. what you started there to start <laughs> new things and you're on to other things? Yeah, absolutely not anymore. No, <laughs> I hate coding. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Been there and done that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you have any standout memories from your homeschool years, your Colby years, or any experiences? What what stands out stands out in your mind from that time? Hmm. Just the freedom that other you know, as I'm getting to know more people who went to public high school and college, and I understand how they spent their time they didn't really get the opportunity to just do what they wanted to do. You could do things within the confines of what high schools had to offer. But as far as just going on vacations, you know, we went skiing a lot, stuff like that, just weren't never options. And just the ability to do those things and just explore during your teenage years. That's the biggest thing for homeschooling for me. Got questions about that, but I want to hear it from Aaron too. <laughs> I feel like homeschooling um, was really good because it taught me a lot of skills that people don't have for college. Like I feel like I really know how to study because of Colby, and like a lot of people they get to college and they like take their first test and they don't know how to study because. But I think Colby set me up for that, especially with like taking like one online class a day and then having the rest of your day to complete yeah. your work, and like making sure you're not just doing nothing. So I feel like it, I really, that was really good for me having to build those like foundations and those skills young. Um, so I enjoyed the freedom and just being able to, like, if I wanted to go for a walk in the middle of the afternoon, I could, or little things like that. I was also <laughs> in sixth grade, I was in the Colby uh, student government when that was a thing. So I thought that was pretty cool too. <laughs> oh, tell us about that. I, I haven't. Not- I don't I think that, that. Yeah. Tell us about that. I think it lasted one year. I don't think it really, <laughs> it didn't really take off. Um, but the way they did it was like, there was the high school student government. And then if you were in junior high, you like shadowed someone in high school. So I think I was like the junior secretary or like the junior treasurer. And I think it lasted one year. I think that was it. But I was on the Colby newsletter, I think for two years. That was fun because I was like, I think when the one thing like I missed about homeschooling is I had a lot of FOMO, like I didn't get to do things everyone in high school did. So like Colby offering the opportunity to be like on student government or be on the newsletter, it felt me, made me feel more included. Mm-hmm. So let me ask Michael this, and then I'm going to ask you about this, Aaron. How does it come up, Michael, that you were homeschooled and that your friends were publicly high schooled? What's that like? I'm, I asked that because my own kids, I, when they start a new activity and they're talking about new friends, I'll, I'll, I think one of the first things I ask them is where do they go to school? And they'll be like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it doesn't even come up for them. Um, so how does that sort of unfold for you? Well, you first know the person for like two weeks or something. And then there's the moment where they go, 
oh, you were homeschooled? I never would have guessed. Yeah. It's always that moment. <laughs> and they're, they're always surprised by it. And I don't know if it's just my personal experiences, but it's never really been a huge deal. There's always questions about it. Like, oh, how did you study? How did you take tests? All that kind of stuff. But people are never like really that shocked about it. My friends aren't. My peers aren't. My professors are very shocked by it. I think there's a stigma a lot of the times. A lot of these professors develop around homeschoolers not really knowing anything, like being failed students almost. But then I remember I was at my English teacher's office hours and he uh, was asking me where I learned, basically where I learned to write so well. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I was homeschooled. And he didn't believe it. It's really funny because they always believe that there's like homeschoolers don't know what they're talking about. So that's a more interesting experience for me is talking to professors about it. Well, I think the sentence that starts when I went to my professor's office hours is an indicator like from from the professors we've talked to on the Colby cast. That is noteworthy to them that the students who come to the office hours very often have been homeschooled students and they take they have taken the initiative to come to office hours. So that you showed up there in the first place is probably a, <laughs> off to a good start there. Yeah. What about you, Erin? Does it come up much with you and in, in your here lately? I feel like freshman year, it came up a lot because like everyone's like, oh, like, where are you from? Where'd you go to high school? And you're like, oh, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but also there's just, I don't think it comes up that often. Um because there aren't many homeschoolers. So everyone just kind of assumes you went to high school. Yeah. Um, like all like all the three years I've been here, I've met one other homeschooler. Like all the people I've met, especially I think at big state schools. I don't think a lot of homeschoolers mm-hmm. go to big state schools. So it was kind of an adjustment period. I think in high school it can't, it mattered more to people. They'd be like, Where'd you go to high school? Like, where'd you go to high school? And you're like, Oh, I'm homeschooled. And they're like, Oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but also like you meet more homeschoolers while you're in high school, and I feel like you just kind of they're like that is like your high school, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned the FOMO that you felt the the fear of missing out as a student, looking back on that now, what would you say to yourself at that time, or to a, a current student who is feeling a bit of that? Mm. I feel like. Um that they're feeling that they are missing out is valid. I feel like a lot of times it's like you to say like, oh, like I, I'm sad I'm not going to go to prom or whatever. And people are like, oh, that just stuff doesn't matter. It's okay. But like when you're 16, it kind of matters to you. So like your feelings are, your feelings are valid, but it's going to be different. You're going to get to college and you're going to have the same experiences that everyone else does. And you're just going to be better for it. Your experiences, you have different experiences. You're not missing out. You're having different experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have a, a homeschool community you all were active in as in your Colby years? Um, and what was that like? What sorts of stuff did you all do? We did. I mean, we had a, a few um, purely homeschool community. We went to like a co-op where you, every Friday you would go learn in a classroom and then do the rest of your work outside of that classroom. I was good. I, I, I did like it being around other homeschoolers, but a large part of it is also just not really being around. It doesn't really matter. I think just being part of something is important. I was part of an Irish music band. One kid there was homeschooled. A lot of just went to public schools. I went on Sundays and it doesn't really matter that it is homeschooled is so much, but it's just being part of an organization where you can connect with other people and you learn from those organizations. That's a really important thing. Yeah. We're fortunate to have some organizations that we're involved in here. Our kids are um, late middle school to high school now, and I have a college freshman also. And so, yeah, we've been able to find organizations that are public, private, homeschooled. That, that does make a big difference. Yeah. What about what about you, Erin? Were you going to have anything to add to that? I wasn't really involved in anything, um, like any homeschool groups or anything. I kind of just did school. Um, but coming to college now, I'm president of two orgs and it's made me kind of realize like how important it is to be in a group and it doesn't matter if it's a homeschool group or like a sport group or like, it's just important to be a part of something outside of your school life. I would also say it's important. You have to, if I could say anything, go back to myself when I was that age, you got to remember what you're doing as a student. And you can, you know, a lot of people, a lot of teenagers get caught up in 
oh, I need to have a thousand friends and I need to always be doing something with other people. And you just got to remember a big, big part of it is that you're there to study and to learn and to advance into greater and better things. So if I could go back and tell myself that, that would be a really important thing just to remember what you're there for and what you're working towards. Well said. And I think it lands differently coming from, from you than it can come than sometimes coming from adults. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago, I was in public school. I was a public high school student myself. And I was thinking of you talking about your experiences for, I mean, I feel like I mess, missed out and, and I, I'm glad that Bonnie actually told me what FOMO means because I was like, okay, F-O-M-O, okay. I'm, I'm old though. That's okay. Um, but, uh, but just the, your, because I, I always forget Colby's when you're doing the classes or whatever, it is kind of like a college experience where you have limited class time and then it's be disciplined, get your work done, do all of those things outside. And, you know, the, the Latin, oh, the Latin wouldn't have been great to have Latin in high school for me, but, um, and, and the, but also the, the variety, I mean, here you are going in or doing serious science things, but talking about the, the literature and the things that you've also, I mean, to become a well-rounded sort of person, it seemed like at least an experience can be that you just get kind of like, oh, you're a science, math science person. You get, you, you do these things or you, you're a art literature person. You do these things, but it seems like you've, you've all kind of encompassed them all, which is, which I kind of feel jealous about, but yeah, I've admired that a lot myself. That's yeah. And I, as we've been talking here a little bit, I've been really thinking back to the way I had phrased that question to you about having a homeschool community. Cause I think as I was maybe as a homeschool mom, I think of, maybe we got to find some other homeschoolers, but and your responses helped me to see that just as in, as in life now, as you're finding out in, in college, like just being a part of the larger, you know, if it's a parish or it's an organization or whatever, that's, it's not, it doesn't have to just be homeschool. It's nice to have that point of connection, but there are lots of points of connection we can make with folks around us. So I think that's, that's noteworthy. Okay. So you mentioned your majors now in school. Tell us more about your time now these days here at your college years, like coming to decide on the the school that where you are now, Texas Tech, and the the paths you're you're on now toward your degrees. Um, I'd say I took so I took life science online, um, and I had like with Colby, and I had a really good teacher, and it made me realize like I really love biology. And then somewhere along high school, and I realized you know I want to work in the hospital, and I want to be do medical things. So I was pre-nursing and then last year I switched my major to the pre-med track. Um, uh, I chose, I chose tech because I really didn't want to go to, um, a school like UST or UD that just felt like homeschooling in college. And I know they're really great schools, but I felt like I wanted to just break out and try something new. So I wanted to go to a bigger school and it was definitely an adjustment um, going from like homeschooling to like a big state school. But it's not as bad as I think most people would think, um, mainly because homeschooling did prepare me for college life. So like the way I was adjusting, other people were also adjusting, but just in different ways. Um, but yeah, I chose cell and molecular biology because I've Colby, like the Colby classes I took really made me love biology and yeah, I chose tech because I have family up here in Lubbock and it felt like a good, it felt like the right choice. Mm. Do you have an idea yet? If you want, if, if there's a particular area of medicine you want to specialize in, or I know that changes a lot as you kind of go through that. Yeah. But I really like ER medicine. So I work in the um, children's ER now here oh. and it's made me realize like, I really like ER medicine. So hopefully we'll see. Okay. Well, it came to choosing my major. It's a junior year of high school for me. I don't know what I'm doing. The fall semester has just started. I really don't have any choices. I kind of had thought I was going to do coding, but I, I started realizing I didn't like that. And so I was lost. Um, and I remember my mom put me in pre-calculus. And at this time, my math is not good at all, unfortunately. But 
I remember just doing so terrible on that first exam and feeling so bad about it. So I started going back and studying and reading the textbooks and looking at online resources and just being overwhelmed with how amazing math was. I was just shocked by it. And I just decided I just loved it. I wanted to go all in for it. I completely turned my grade around in that class. Miss Coffey, the teacher, phenomenal teacher. I really an instrumental part of why I decided to do math and physics, really. And I just, from there, I just, everything fell afterwards towards deciding that. I decided physics particularly because I just remember reading books um, re related to math and just being completely just fascinated by the, the natural world. I just thought this would be such an amazing way to, you know, praise God would be understanding the the natural universe. So that was a big part of it. When it came to deciding a college, I recognized that there are two things I had to face. One was what I needed, and two were the challenges that that college would give me. You know, when it comes to physics and math, that is such a high level of study that you have to have tons and tons of resources for experiments and to properly get that education, you have to go to a place that has a large amount of resources. So I recognized that I needed to go to a larger school, even though I, I really did deep down want to go to a, a smaller school, I realized it just wouldn't be able to happen. So what I needed was a large physics department and Texas Tech had that, Texas A&M, all these big state schools had that, but I also had to recognize the challenges were going to follow with that as well. You know, smaller Catholic communities, a larger bureaucracy that I have to deal with. So I had to weigh those challenges. And I just re recognized that, you know, we all have our crosses in life. And those are the challenges that have to come with me being successful in my path. This is what I have to deal with. And that's why I ended up choosing Texas Tech. And Aaron had already been going there. So that was a big plus as well. Kind of had a, a sense of it from her, be her being there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned the Catholic community dimension and that's interesting too just the the sense of of embracing the crosses that you knew would come with it and and to even contemplate those as you are in your decision process that says I'm really struck by that that's um I'm impressed by that so talk to us though about the the Catholic community that you have found on campus there or around there what what that looks like for you now well yeah I mean it's, we're so, very involved in it and go for it. Um, <laughs> The way I looked at it, too, when I was looking at schools, I was like, well, I can go to a Catholic school, but everyone's going to be Catholic and there's not really going to be as many, in my mind, as many like Catholic things. But I'm like, or I can go to a state school. and I'm going to go search out the Catholic people and join them and find that community and be part of that. So I did that. Um, Greater Catholic has grown a lot here in Lubbock. And I'm actually president of the Catholic service fraternity. And Michael is my little in the fraternity too. So he's my little brother and my little brother. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing that for like ever since I've been here. And honestly, I don't, if I hadn't found Cairo, which is the name of it, I don't, I don't know what I would do like without, like it's definitely helped guide me in my faith and just being a part of the community. And it really, the way I look at it is like, A, they're all my friends, but um we're just Catholic students supporting each other in our faith and while well, also being students. So we help understand each other. So I've, I'm very grateful that I found the community I did here in Lubbock. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is so beautiful about the Catholic church is the diversity and the ability to go anywhere on earth and find people who are Catholic. It doesn't even have to be organizations. There's just individual Catholics all over the world. And that's true. Even at a big state school and that's, majorly you know protestant you're still going to find high volumes of catholics and it's just about asking and you have to go out and look for it it's not going to come to you right if you want to find these catholic orgs and if you want to engage in this you got to go look for it you got to try like everything else in life you got to go work for it and if you can you're going to get some really beautiful rewards that's very interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in these things because I went to my first college that I went to was a small Catholic school, which is I just had just converted. So for me, that was a, a phenomenal thing to be surrounded by like minded people. You know, just about everybody there was a serious Catholic. They had chosen the college first. So but I I find it very appealing, though. I mean, so 
I find it a little scary with, you know, knowing kind of what's happening in a lot of public universities and public schools and things and the ideas there. But it's also very interesting. I think you've, you've touched on this a bit. The, uh, this, the, there are other people out there who are, I mean, so you have to work a little bit harder for it. You, you're kind of, there's a little bit of opposition, but also, I don't know, that and a little evangelization, evangelization too, perhaps. Is that, is, is that the... Is that where your comfort level? It must be where your comfort level is to some extent that you're you're comfortable dealing with people who think very differently than you, even though you probably you've got your little your smaller Catholic community. Is that right? Is that kind of your definitely? And I'd say Lubbock is a very like the tech community. We're very much like in the Bible belts. So there's not many Catholics, but everyone's pretty much Christian for the most part. Yeah. So I'd say it'd be harder if we went to like a different school, maybe like UT. Mm-hmm. but um lubbock is a very i'd say it's a very christian place yeah and when you get challenges like that though where you know you're not in a super catholic area people aren't going to catholic church all the time you get these new challenges which are scary and can challenge your faith but if you can you know really embrace those challenges and see them as a blessing then you're going to become stronger in your faith regardless mm-hmm. Have you found yourself thinking back to your Colby theology courses as you have oh, a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other day I was having this discussion with this person? They're like, so what's up with Mary? And I was like, hold up. I got to explain. <laughs> That's great. Apologetics always rescue. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, we we did an episode, it's been a while. It was episode 85 called Vibrant Campus Ministries. We talked to one of the campus ministers at Texas AM and a mom who had at that time, students in college in Oregon, they they talked about the the opportunities for their students on on public university campuses, um, the campus ministry options, and we heard a lot of great information, lots of stuff going on there. Your Catholic service fraternity, I, that's new to me. Can you say more about that? What's what I'll do do there? So we have three pillars: we have faith, service, and brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, for faith, like a lot of times, like during finals week, we were all like studying in the library, and we're like, oh. It's a holy day of obligation. So we like stopped, put everything down. We all walked to church together, went to church, came back, back mm-hmm. to the library to study. Well, that's um, good because you need that community when it's difficult. To yeah. Remember or to like waking up at five in the morning to go to uh, Our Lady Guadalupe Mass. Yeah. Um, and like uh, we always in the spring will host Stations of the Cross mm-hmm. on camp, like walking Stations of the Cross on campus for Good Friday. Um. And then we also, we have a lot of service because in my eyes, what drew me to the org too originally was volunteering is very important. I think it brings us closer to God because we're serving his community and his people. Mm-hmm. So I like that I can find people with a mutual faith and we'll go out to the food bank or we'll go do different service things together. Sounds neat. Michael, do you want to say more about your involvement in in that? Well, yeah, I mean, Cairo is... It's really great because it's really friendly to non-Catholics, I think. And not in the sense that, you know, we're not a Catholic organization, but people who aren't Catholic aren't afraid to approach us because they think we're just going to preach at them, right? So they aren't afraid to come talk to us. And because of that, they start realizing, you know, how great a Catholic community can be. And they start involving themselves more in it. And before you know it, you have somebody who just converted to the Catholic faith, you know, that kind of thing. It's really, uh, what, what's the term? Um, you know, it's evangelizing. It's evangelizing, but setting an example sort of. Yeah. Like we mm-hmm. both have some friends mm-hmm. who want to join who aren't Catholic. Um, personally, I don't see a problem with it because they see the way we act. They'll start catching, you know, they all of a sudden they start asking questions. They're yep. like, Oh, well, why do you do this? And then you're able to explain it to them. And maybe eventually one day they'll become Catholic. But if not, I feel like just representing Catholicism in a good way. And like people like being around right. you and you're Catholic and you're doing good things and setting good examples. And it's good to build the courage to, you know, go talk to people who aren't only Catholic. And then because you have you have to be braver and tougher mm-hmm. just to to stay strong in your faith so that they can come in and recognize that and want to learn more about it. That's fabulous. Just you living your faith is attractive to, to those. Yeah. You don't, you don't lead with the words you, you just, you live it and it's yeah. Right. 
opens the door to yeah when you were still in high school were you were you at that point still pretty involved locally or was it mostly when you got off to college that those opportunities kind of like you can kind of blossomed into the i'd say um we were pretty involved in our church until we moved um but i'd say definitely like coming to college has made me very I became way, like, I feel like I'm compensating for what I didn't do in high school, getting way too involved, but I'd say I'm like, I'm very involved and it makes me really happy to be involved in the community. Yeah. As far as Catholic communities are concerned, I was really only involved in communities that were strictly Catholic in high school. I'm getting now from the first time involved in like organizations that aren't like the society for physics students. I'm part of that one. Nobody in there is Catholic. Everyone's atheist. It's a new, unique challenge for me to have to deal with that. But it also is making me feel stronger. Um, and those are challenges I was never able to face in high school just because I was only in Catholic organizations, which I think can be good because you don't develop that you know, spiritual strength until later on. And sometimes if you engage in those non-Catholic things too early, you you don't know what to think about it and your brain's still developing and it just kind of, it'll throw you off. Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, coming from like a public school, like I said, I was a public school student and converted when I was a senior in high school, but there's a few very strong people who understood their faith and showed things before I even knew there was something other than the way the world views things. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm hearing from your, your stories there, your family background, your, the the theology classes, the overall Catholic formation, it seemed like you were, well, it just sounds like you're very well prepared to to take that step. You knew the, the way the world actually was and saw that there was a, this is the wrong way, not the, not the other way around sort of thing, which is really lovely. Yeah. And you got to let those challenges, like, you have to let them strengthen your faith and not weaken them. A lot of times it weakens people. You have to face these challenges of being around people who are very non-spiritual of being around people who, who give in to temptation a lot. A lot of people let that weaken their faith and you have to really learn how to let that strengthen your faith, which is very challenging. I think it's like another challenge when you do go, like either you go to a Catholic school and you're around all these Catholic people, or you're like in the Catholic community and you see people doing things that you're like, Whoa, I don't know if we should be doing that. And like they're <laughs> Catholic, you, you assume like the Catholic people wouldn't, but they are doing it too. So it kind of makes you realize like even being strong in your faith around people who are in your faith, right. just because it's college doesn't mean we're going to completely abandon mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, that's very true. I I like what you said also about uh, not taking it on too soon there that that has come up in some of our other conversations with uh, I'm thinking of, of the conversation we had with the Lund parents, uh, uh, Kathy and Nikolai Lund. I'll put that link in our show notes. I think it's episode 92 of uh, that idea of like a, nurturing a seed like a, a baby plant you you nurse it and you protect it from um disease and and like uh, animals that would want to consume it or whatever anyway like protecting that plant as it grows until the point where it has reached the point where it can take care of itself that sort of as an analogy for the environment that they set up for their for their daughters in that case um and the education that they sought out for them and until it was time for them to step out into the wider world. I, I, that resonates with me and the idea of the incremental nature of, of what is in the environment until the point where someone is ready to handle the, the larger challenges. And then they respond to them differently than had they had to take them on too soon before they were ready to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about how you see your Colby classical humanities rich education serving you in your stem fields now what i mean you mentioned your affinity your appreciation for good books aaron how in what other ways do you see your colby formation as serving you in your stem fields now well i feel like um although it is a classical education colby sciences classes are no joke yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes they go harder than the classes in college yeah so i feel like that prepared me okay um but also like just the theology classes, even like what we were just discussing, like, I feel like I have the background to know what I'm talking about when I'm trying to explain my religion to other people. And sometimes like you see people talking about our religion and you're like, well, I don't know if that's right. But I feel like I have like 
because of the education Colby gave me, I feel more, I feel confident in like discussing my religion with people and knowing what I'm talking about. But um, definitely writing essays was a big one. Like it's down to a science. Like I write other people's essays now and help them out or like the engineering students. I edit their papers for them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say it's just in having a well-rounded, like the importance of knowing like how, because Colby was very well-rounded, like it, you could be STEM heavy, heavy if you wanted to, but it was also mm-hmm. focusing on like literature and like the classics and whatnot. So I feel like having that background made me realize like in college, like we can't just abandon the well-rounded education. We have to, it's important to keep that yeah, for your whole adult life, honestly. Okay. Th- this message goes to all the homeschoolers right now. Do not t- like, don't overlook. I know it's really hard. How many essays you're writing? So I had to write one essay a week. That was really tough. But that's when you nothing. Get, when you get to university English, you are going to be so over the top prepared. It's not even funny. The one essay but, a semester. Yes, you're going to be <laughs> so, so ready for it. Don't overlook that. <laughs> it really is such a valuable thing to the ability to just like, okay, I've got to write something. I'm just going to sit down and do it rather than kind of like, oh, just because i mean there's so many jobs you're going to have to write something it might just be a convincing your boss that this is the right thing to do or or even in discussion and you know thinking things through but as i said my first my first degree was a liberal arts degree at thomas Aquinas college so catholic school but then i i got my a civil engineering degree at a, a state school back in wisconsin and so when i started working as a civil engineer and doing structures and things it was it was actually that the other degree that really kind of i mean every every engineer can do the engineering stuff and some are better than or whatever but my ability to communicate um was what really kind of distinguished what i mean that was that made more of a difference in my career certainly than my engineering degree that was just the ticket i needed to get in the door but the ability to communicate well and things was super important yeah that sets you apart to be able to explain the intricacies of your of your various fields to folks who are not in those fields and and need to have a basic understanding of them yeah and to interact with folks yeah especially in the stem world they expect so like in our classes like a science class so they want you to write a paper they expect so little of us it's kind of funny so like just having like enough skills to like put you over the top it really gives you that advantage even in like science classes because the bar yes. is so low for writing and stem. it is, it is. Okay. When you're prepared, I mean, I got to say, really, Colby writing is harder than the university level, really. And it's so amazing that you, I got that experience, even though I disliked it in the time when I was doing it back in high school. I mean, you're never going to get the chance in university to learn how to write as as much as you have the chance right now. Colby is going to teach you so much better how to write than the university will. And then when you get into the job market, and nobody can write you're not going to get i mean they're not going to give promotions to people who don't know how to write you know you have to know how to write it's so important and that's such an, a valuable thing that's probably the most important thing about my homeschool education was the fact that i learned how to write so well yeah no i remember my freshman year i took like english one and i turned in a paper and i made like a 98 on it and i was like wow yeah i did not try i did not try hard I was like this paper would not have not have flown at Colby. No. It would have been torturous. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I've heard a similar thing from my college freshman about how many fewer papers he had to turn in or will have to turn in in an English course mm-hmm. he's enrolled in than what he was accustomed to at Colby. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. No ten page papers no, unless I, you're I, like major yeah. in writing or history. Like it's not expected. You. <laughs> I mean, first week of school, I'm sitting down in the English classroom. And he's teaching us the five paragraph model. Yeah. And I was just thinking, this class is going to be so easy. And this is what we're learning. I mean, it's going to be an easy A. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. When we were preparing this episode, you all suggested a couple of points here, which I find very interesting and want to give you lots of room to tell us about things relating to how your homeschool background affects your college studies, specifically the challenges of going from homeschooling to a large state school. You mentioned some of this already. Is there more you want to say about that? Mm. Well, the challenge from going from a homeschooler to a, a public university, you have to realize that half of it's going to be seamless. And the other half is not 
going to work and it's going to be hard to learn. And it's going to be the exact inverse for people who have gone from a public high school to a public university. As far as education, learning, studying, talking to professors goes, you're going to be miles and miles and miles ahead of every other, everybody else went to public high schools. They don't know how to do it. Everybody here is learning how to learn for the first time. And you're so far ahead as a homeschooler, especially a Colby homeschooler being prepared for that. But I mean, cause it really is a college preparatory. I mean, it really works to that effect very well, but there's going to be part, the other side of it is going to be not being used to joining organizations and dealing with, you know, people and the drama and all that stuff. That's going to be tough that you're going to have to learn to deal with. But it's once you get over that hump, you're going to fly so easily just because the ability to be educated is not taught in public high schools today. Okay. I remember I took AP bio and I just remember at Colby, I remember the teacher, um, he said something along the lines of like, don't like, cause everyone's like, was, we're all seniors, like discussing where we're going to school. And he was like, don't knock state schools. Like if you want to pursue a science degree, I would recommend state school over a small Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that doesn't mean that you're going to lose your faith or you're going to be lost. So I would say for most homeschoolers, if you're willing to want to go to a state school, if you think it's the best for you, don't be scared to do it. Um, you're not going to meet very home many homeschoolers, which I think is kind of rough because when everyone's like sitting around like, oh, do you remember this in high school? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, I don't know, like different things people do in high school, like at public high schools. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can't compare stories, but at the same time, it's college. Nobody's, everyone's trying to be a different person than they were in high school. Yeah. So it's not like you're miles behind everyone because you were homeschooled and you didn't go to high school. Um, but I'd say there's a lot of advantages of going to a state school. It's just like their STEM programs are usually so much more advanced yeah. than most like small liberal arts schools. Um, yeah, it is a learning curve, but just remember that like you're going through a learning curve, but so is every other freshman. Yours just might be a little bit different mm-hmm. than theirs. Just it's same difficulty, just different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about when you were talking about dealing with people and you're moving from homeschooling to a college. And I was, I was thinking, well, probably if I'm putting myself in my children's perspective, they've already dealt with the most annoying people in the world, their, their siblings, and they, uh, they, they managed to uh, make it through and turned out they kind of like each other by the, towards the end, at least. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. I, I'm not sure. How, I, I'm sure that actually healthy relationships, knowing what that looks like probably as a, I mean, here both of you are on a podcast together and uh, on your break from from school. So I, I think that speaks to a, a level of ability to have real relationships that you kind of lose when you spend eight hours a day in, in a building with mostly just people your same age and all the all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you all see each other much on during the week when school's in session? Oh, all the time. I mean, yeah. We're basically in the same friend group Mm -hmm. um, now because he's in Cairo and I'm Cairo. That's kind of just our friend groups. So we see each other quite a bit. Probably more. I probably hang out with him more than I did when we were homeschooled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's neat. That's neat. And you guys have a younger brother still in Colby now, right? Interesting. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Are there other things about your homeschool education? And how it ends up transitioning to state school experience that that you want to bring up and or talk about? I think a big part of it is is you just can't listen to all the, your peers and the way they talk. I mean, a lot of the times, They're a lot lying. of people will try to make you feel bad about being homeschooled. Your current peers? Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll talk a lot, you know, about everything they did in high school, how much they accomplished you know, dual credit, AP, whatever else. And you just can't listen to it because you got to remember you're, you're the exact same place as they are right now at this moment in time. You're starting the race at the same place, same in the finish line. It's different for everybody, but you have to remember that you're not running the same race as them, right? You just, people are always going to try to make you feel bad to make themselves feel better. And you can't listen to a lot of that talk. 
Yeah, I definitely say that's good advice because when I started, it was like I felt so behind because everyone's comparing like, well, I'm a junior by hours. I'm a sophomore by hours. And I started college with zero hours. Like I took two AP classes and they weren't letting homeschoolers test for AP that year because of COVID. So I had no hours and everyone's like, oh, well, I did this and I was a debate and I was an IUL or whatever it is. I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. And you just kind of like as a homeschooler, you're like, wow, or like people demean your education right. to you, to your face, because they're like, well, it was not a real school. So mm-hmm. you, when you say your classes were hard, people are like, no, they're not. It was homeschool. And you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my Colby class was hard. Right. And <laughs> yeah. I checked reading Plato was not no. for enjoyment. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to get kind of like, I'd say that's the main learning curve and learning. Most people are just lying. Like a lot are you took AP class, you took an AP like calculus, but your class was like 10 people in it. Right. So it's like, was it really, really that hard? I, or? I mean, a big, I remember I started in calculus too. And I remember the whole classroom was full to the brim first day, no seats in the entire classroom. All these people talking about how they already done calculus too in high school. It's going to be an easy grade for them. They don't have to worry about it. And the first test rolls around. And I remember just being so worried because I it's my first time taking calculus two and everybody else had talked so much about it. And when the grades got returned, I remember I got an A and I was very happy with it. It was a 91. It's still good for a math class. And coming to class the next day and there were about 14 people left in the class. Whoa. So like 75% of the class dropped. And that's when you got to realize just don't. People will try to make you feel bad, but they don't, they've not worn your shoes. You just have to keep your head down and work on what you want to accomplish and accomplish that thing. Mm-hmm. Feel confident in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to lose that confidence sometimes when you're homeschooled. Cause you don't have anyone to like bounce yourself off of. It's just you, like you don't even, especially when you're homeschooled, it's like, what are you going to compare your grades to your six-year-old brother? And so it's kind of like, you're not seeing how other people are doing around you. So it's always feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough because I did this and I don't see what's happening around me. So it's easy to kind of, when people are acting like that, when you come to college, kind of like lose yourself. But um, most, honestly, most people are lying half the time just to make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, have confidence in yourself. You know what you're doing. You were prepared. Even if people don't think you are, you know you are. And if you try your best. Yeah, just or yeah. at Labora, pray and work. Yep. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, and that work ethic that you you talk about, all those long Colby days where, and here's a, the little secret of that, some of the public school things too. You When you have a classroom full of people, there's a lot of wasted time because you have to teach to a, a wide variety of things. So when you say, well, I was at school for eight hours and you're in a classroom, it's very different than doing eight hours, 10 hours of school when you're in Colby by yourself. Yeah. Uh, there is not a lot of wasted time. So that is a lot of work and a lot of um, intense work going into things. So that work ethic, I think you're, uh, that's, you're wise here to say, it, because you're all starting. I mean, your career, your your end isn't determined at this point, you know, but it's that every day putting in the work and constantly doing that's what's going to you know that's i guess that's all our lord asks right is just to to give him everything just give him everything and uh, so that's all you have to do but uh, um but that yeah it doesn't matter where where that starting is when you're starting your college it's that like you say it's it's just moving ahead you're you're fine you're in a good you're in a good spot yeah and that's that's a big thing i realized every day you wake up you have a choice. You can either work hard that day or not work hard. And if you wake up and decide that you're going to work hard and you're going to get those good grades that you want, that's all that matters. Backgrounds don't matter. How much you did in high school doesn't matter. If you're homeschooled or if you went to a public high school, it doesn't matter. You can control one thing and that's the amount of work you do. And you just got to remember that. Yeah. It it seems like there's this sort of... uh... I don't know if it's, it's probably, there's probably some truth to it sometimes, but that, that idea of kids who have not been in um, the school system of one kind or another, when they get to one like college and they're just not going to know what to do the, with themselves or can they lose themselves as you referred to, or, or just kind of, you know, not be able to conduct themselves appropriately. And when, 
however, in whatever context that means. But I, what I notice about both of you, each of you, is that you you have this uh, the self awareness that's very impressive, and also the formation to be able to assess the situation you're in and make some decisions intentionally about what you're going to do and not and how you are going to conduct yourselves. I'm really impressed by that. And it um, stands out to me how you have taken responsibility for that for each of you. And I'm, I really commend you each for that. It's, it's a very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I heard about, we heard about Aaron's eye on ER medicine. So Michael, do you have an idea of where you want to go with your math and physics? Are you, um, tired of hearing that question from folks or do you, do you have a, <laughs> what do you think about that? So I want to accomplish a double major in physics with a concentration on professional theoretical and a major in mathematics. And then I want to move into a graduate school and specialize in high energy particle physics, get a PhD, and then hopefully start doing research at a national laboratory. Um, sometime, some period in that, I want to get to working with the government a lot so that I can begin doing private work as a uh, consultant, basically, and eventually develop that into my own private firm, which does research and stuff for the government. Basically develop a company around physics. Okay. I'm really confident. I can see it now. And you, you have given a lot of words of wisdom along the way all throughout our conversation today. Are there any other words of wisdom you want to leave with us as we're wrapping up anything to parents um you've spoken a lot to high schoolers anything you want to say to any folks listening well i i've never been a homeschooling parent but i've annoyed a homeschooling parent enough times to know <laughs> that it's it's hard i mean kids are never going to listen to your advice the first time they got to figure out a lot of stuff on their own but they will figure it out eventually and you just got to have you have to keep helping them along that journey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tuck that away and think back to that when I'm... <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Okay. I'm imagining you putting it on like a a, a, a loop. That's um, right. I'll have a little... <laughs> yep. Cue up that clip from, from Michael. Yeah. Like, a little just... I just need to check in with this for a second and then I'll be back with you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Aaron and Michael, it has sure been a pleasure meeting you and visiting with you today. I'm, I'm inspired by each of you and I wish you each the very best. I hope you will keep in touch with us and let us know how you're doing and, and where you are and what you're up to. And we really appreciate you coming to talk to us today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at Colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. Ignatius of Loyola, Holy Saints and Angels, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>